So, um, you're in Baton Rouge now. Yeah. Yeah. And right now you're doing all sorts of different stuff. Like what exactly? What are you doing now? Uh, well, primarily I've been working on trying to get some of my own ideas out there for the first time. Uh, uh, a lot of my life as a musician, I've kind of felt reliant on other people to get projects started. And I was listening to uh, one of my favorite drummers, Mark Giuliano. I was listening to a podcast, <laughs> believe <laughs> it or not. And he was talking and he said that he wanted to say different things with what he was playing. He wanted to, he was like really involved in the uh, jazz realm. He was playing with the uh, Avishai Cohen, the bassist, not the trumpeter, because there's two of them and they both have the same name. So you kind of have to distinguish if you're not That's familiar. a pretty common name, so I, I understand. Right? Yeah. So yeah, the bassist, uh, and he loved what he was doing, but at the time he said he felt that there were things he wanted to say in the music, but he wasn't sure if it was appropriate because of the setting. And after a while, he kept wanting to say something, wanting to make a statement, wanting to make a statement. And he just said, here, he came to the realization that if no one's creating like the space that allows me to say what I want to say, then I have to create that environment for myself. And he started working on some of his own things. And after hearing that, um, he kind of made me dive a little deep. And I was thinking to myself, like, well, I've been kind of working on stuff in Ableton over the past year or so. And, like, I have these ideas that I wouldn't necessarily have considered in the past to be worth anything. They were just ideas, and I was waiting for someone else to think they were cool or... I was waiting to share them with someone to like collaborate to get it started. And then uh, I just kind of tried not relying on anybody. Yeah, sometimes that's easier, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, herding cats. That's what it's like to get musicians together sometimes, right? Her yeah, herding cats. Herding cats, yeah. Yeah, that sounds hard to do. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, working with musicians is not easy to get the schedules lined up and find people that are really compatible. Uh, is this hard to hear? No, I, okay, great. <laughs> I your, can hear you fine. Your mic sounds really clear. So, okay. I'm not sure if this one does or not. Yeah. We'll see. It's all tangled up down there. Okay. So, <coughs> so you just decided to go out and do it on your own. Correct. And you can do that because you have, the equipment we have the equipment today to do things like that right absolutely if this was a different time uh, and I'm not like a gear junkie I don't know a ton of stuff about gear but I would say e easily like maybe 20 30 years ago you wouldn't really be able to be very much of a solo musician that incorporated computers um, I mean, I know there was like pedals and electronics being developed and stuff like in the early 60s and 70s, you know, Bitches Brew and stuff with Miles Davis and all these jam sessions where electric guitar and pedals and like altering like a signal coming through a cable. Um, 
But what you're doing is just one person, but it sounds like a full band because you have a backing track that you came up with and that's going on behind your drumming. So it if you close your eyes, you think there's a whole band there. Right. And that, yeah, that's that's the uh, the goal, I guess, is to have the facility to come up with your own ideas to write music that you feel comfortable with music that feels very close to who you are um things that you draw inspiration from and at least my approach has been I would listen to something I really like for a long period of time like the same album or the same couple of songs or in particularly like the same artist for a couple of weeks at a time and I kind of just hone in on one piece of subject matter at a time and when I finally get inspired which I wish I could sit down and just write and write and write but it doesn't really seem to work that well for me so I get these bursts of inspiration where I'll have work the next day but I'll stay up till three in the morning working on an idea because finally like lightning hit the lightning rod I guess and I'm working but usually that idea isn't I wouldn't say it's like oh I just I thought of this progression or I I was singing this melody today. It's more like for my personal experience, it's been, Oh, I've been listening to this album and I really like this sound. And then when I go to write, it's almost like I'm recreating what I heard without thinking about it because it's been so ingrained. Like I've been listening to it so much that the, the, what flows out of me is something that like, it's kind of likens to that. It's like akin to what I've been listening to. And uh, that's usually when I get the most inspiration is when I'm writing something that sounds somewhat familiar, but it's still new because I'm creating it and I've never heard it before, but it still feels a little bit grounded in my influences. And I'm sure a lot of artists do that, but I also know people who are much further along in the journey and they, they know the sound of their voice. So they know how to write, for themselves from themselves but at this point in my life I'm writing based off of the inspiration of others but Hmm. well it's a hard thing to find your own voice right absolutely because there's so many people speaking out there and you're not sure if what you're saying is it's weird being human because you want people to like what you're saying you want people to listen to you when you speak um and not even in music, you know, just every day. Like, you want to tell a funny joke. Like, you want to be the life of the party. You want to be the person that people listen to you when you have something to say. And I think that spills over into music and artistic voice. Uh, you want people to listen, but just like any conversation, not everybody's going to be interested in the same subject matter you are. So I think we have to be kind of realistic and and actually be kind of kind to ourselves and not get frustrated or overwhelmed if uh, the general audience or a specific group of people don't really enjoy what you're saying. Um, And it's funny because I find that as strange as some of the music I listen to is different, I would consider it different from what most people listen to. There's seems to always be a decent following Mm -hmm. in that niche of itself. Yeah, you have to kind of do it enough, probably. 
go play in all different situations and find those one or two people maybe in at that show or wherever you end up playing and then <coughs> they become your fans or something they they like you and they start following you but to get that base it's not easy uh, you might start with your friends you know close people but there's a good chance that they don't necessarily like exactly or or it's it's not their passion that type of music right if it was you'd probably be playing with them or <laughs> something <laughs> yeah, yeah. right but but they want to support you and it's really helpful to have those people around uh but to really get the the people that just connect with what you're doing you have to work really hard and that's the kind of journey you're starting right now but it's exciting too because you finally after all this time got something together that you're really passionate about it's it's your thing and now you're starting to show everybody so i'm sure it's going to work but you just have to play i don't know what's the magic number <laughs> what, how many gigs one. do you think you how many shows do you think you have to play we don't know right right I we're don't think kind anybody of does in a way in a way you don't but the people who we think have made it now kind of that have a nice big following they don't really need to search out for new people you know people are spreading the words fans are spreading the words amongst themselves or people are just happening to find them somehow those people probably could give you some advice and say you're on the right track just keep doing what you're doing at least we hope that's what they would say to us right of course yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> quit what you're doing your music's terrible just stop <laughs> yeah that no <laughs> i think that's advice you you might give somebody if they're just starting out but if they're at this point it, that would be that would be the worst advice you Wouldn't know it? like to hear to hear that uh I don't know. That would be devastating. Mm -hmm. I, I still don't think you could quit, though. Like I, I couldn't quit playing music or doing something with music. It's yeah. just, I think all of us are like that. That have made it this far. We can't, we can't do anything else and really feel good about ourselves and feel really good about what we're putting out, uh, what kind of work we're putting out, or anything. Right. And I think you, you know, have an interesting story because you went to school. And you got your degree in jazz drumming, and then you decided I'm going to go back to school and do plant <laughs> technology or something. Yeah, you process know. technician. And yeah. because probably you thought, well, how am I going to make music? I mean, money with music, which oh, is absolutely. is a realistic fear. You're not going to make money, <laughs> at least at first. You know, <laughs> right. at sure. first you have to really struggle, but uh, you can do it. You know, if you're really passionate about it, but you try doing that. And then I, I'm guessing you realized I have to do music. It has to be my focus because right. there's no other way. Right. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, I went to school uh, for f like it was either four or five years. I don't necessarily remember. No. Yeah. It was four years for music, but I had a, I had started, which is funny it's like it, it kind of came full circle twice like i initially was in high school i was in the high school band program all that stuff did marching band did concert band all that stuff uh the high school jazz band 
but then my last year of high school, I kind of got burnt out on it and the, the education, like the people in place of the education had, um, we just kind of had like butted heads on some things and I was young and I just kind of thought the easiest way to get away from that was to like focus on something else. So my last or my senior year of high school, I decided I really liked chemistry. So I took chemistry two, which was the first hour class, which band was a first hour class only. So I basically chose chemistry over music as a senior in high school. And I did that my first semester at McNeese and I hated it. I went to McNeese State University for um, one semester for chemical engineering. Uh, I was going to work in the plants using chemistry and math, which I really love chemistry and maths and sciences, but um, I, I don't know, I just hated it. And then I just decided I wanted to do music. Whether I would make money or not, I wanted to do music. And so I switched my degree. Um, I had a very good professor, Lonnie Benoit, helped helped me get a huge jump start and helped me get involved in a lot of different programs there a lot of different like music and cultural programs that I don't think a lot of other schools have the opportunity to do uh, it taught me a lot it was more classical than anything um, I did get involved in a jazz band but it was very much more classical and mar- marching band oriented but the good thing about learning something like classical music Um, that style of music especially as a percussionist is that you learn about touch you learn how to play different dynamics you learn how to like treat the instrument like a piece of percussion rather than just as most people view a drummer just like banging or like wailing at the drums I, I meet so many people that that tell me like oh your arms are probably strong because you play drums and it's like actually my arms aren't very strong like drumming is more about being relaxed and how you touch the instrument rather than being tense and strong and like using power or force. Um, but yeah, and kind of getting off topic, but, uh, that was, okay. You can get off topic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I forgot that's what this is, is people want to sit and listen to what you have to say. Yeah, We just want to hear you talk (laughs) and this is great. I like hearing, I like hearing this story that you're, you're telling now. It's exciting. Yeah, well, I thank- haven't heard it, so I'm I'm happy to hear that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I figured at some point we may have talked about it. But, yeah, I'm just trying to paint, like, a really big picture here with this story. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, it taught me a lot about touch. And then when I started getting involved in the jazz program, um, there was a change in leadership. Um, we had a new jazz director. Patrick Shang had came in and started directing. And I was, like, in the little band, like, the the beginner jazz band and Mm -hmm. I was like learning stuff about form and how to trade fours and how to play standards and all this stuff that was completely brand new but I loved it I loved every bit of it I loved reading charts I loved the challenge of okay I get to play like time I get to like play a generalized groove but then when I play in a big band setting I have to like conduct a band in a way like I have certain hits I have certain rhythmic figures that I have to make sure that I nail so that what the horns are playing or what other instruments are playing work. And that was such a huge, uh, such a huge milestone for me, especially when I made it um, my last one or two semesters at McNeese. Um, I was able to move into the, the big band, like 
the senior musicians and stuff because there was really no one else in the program that wanted to play drum set with a jazz band. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So I got to, I got more responsibilities, got more charts I had to learn that taught me, um, being at that school taught me a lot about trying to practice what's important. Um, which a side note, I will say though, that like education, I feel, uh, I feel that they try to cram too much stuff into our heads and you never really grab hold of any building blocks that are important. Um, they want you to practice stuff on your own time and at home and that's great, but just from my personal experience, I was involved in what felt like 10 different ensembles with five to, you know, five to seven charts for each class. They stretch you really thin. Yeah. Right? They, they put you in everything, mm-hmm. which you were there with me. So yeah. you know how. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's like a, a tornado, mm-hmm. you know, just like you, you get in there. And you can't stop. You just have to do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And really, you don't even know how you're doing all of it. You just have to, you can't think about it. You just got to keep going. And especially for music classes, a lot of them are like one credit hour or no credit hours, but there's still a big commitment. Correct. Uh, especially the one credit hours. Like the jazz band you're talking about was probably a one credit hour class. Right. But you have to meet, I don't know, how many times a week? Twice a week or three times a week? It was it was two or three times a week. Two or three times a week. Two, almost two hours a day. And that's just, you know, the rehearsal time. Right. You have <laughs> seven charts to learn or, or more, or even if it's less, it, it's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. if you're a guitar player or maybe even a drummer who's new to this style, you have to spend a lot of time figuring out how to do this because you don't want to look bad you don't want to be called out in the middle of a rehearsal <laughs> right right you know? which it has happened and it's yeah it's, it's a good learning experience to, to have that right. it makes you work harder or more efficiently yeah when you get chewed out you yeah. don't really want to get chewed out again but um yeah the education system is something we could talk a lot about and i would love to sometime but um you know it, it is what it is. It's mm. probably not changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can talk about some ways that we think it might benefit to to make some changes another time. But I'd like to you to keep going okay. full circle, circle sure. on your story here. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically what happened was getting back to the jazz thing. Um, I fell in love with playing the drum set more so than classical or marching band which I had always loved playing the drum set. That was, I had got like a snared, well, I mean, even since I was a kid, my dad had a drum set in the house when I was like four years old or something. It was our cousin's drum set and he played in some rock or like some blues band or something when he was a little bit younger. But I mean, I can remember as a kid, like sneaking in there, not really sneaking in there. I wouldn't get in trouble, Mm -hmm. but I remember going in there and just, playing the drums like it's there was funny something about I, the I did the same thing with a guitar i just would strum my dad's guitar when i went to my grandparents house right and i didn't know what i was doing but i just was so drawn to doing that mm-hmm. 
if only we would have both like started studying really hard <laughs> at a young age, uh, who knows right. what could have happened now. But, but anyway, so yeah. after, you know, after you had, you were at McNeese and you decided, I, I really like doing drum set. This is what I want to do. Then I'm thinking you thought, okay, well, Lonnie Benoit is a great percussionist, but maybe not uh, an expert in jazz drumming, which is kind of, maybe what you were going for is that why you decided to make the switch or no, it, it wasn't necessarily <clears throat> my teacher because mm-hmm. he's very very excellent in everything that he does okay and um of course the focus was more towards classical okay and diversifying yourself like it's just the program was set up the program to be it wasn't the more towards classical yeah Correct. that it, it wasn't the professor at all because yeah the, the school just is not big enough to really have well it, it might be but there's just not enough uh faculty to probably sure. have a jazz program which they did have one when i started there was a jazz and commercial program but then they cut it right i, think, I remember like, that the next year and they said i i could keep doing that program if i wanted to but i'd have to graduate in a certain amount of time or something like that and i wasn't ready to do that but i remember hearing those frustrations from you guys when so, i got there but anyway yeah so they cut that program yeah and that's that's basically what ended up happening with me was i was involved in the the jazz scene at mcneese and like you said it was more the the means to facilitate all the different interests that may have existed, which I'm not going to lie from talking with all the fellow colleagues. Like I would say 95% of the students were there to learn classical. There was like a small little sect of us that was off to the side that wanted to play like gigs and wanted to play jazz. So there wasn't really that focus in the program. Um, But, and I think somewhere along the line, the budgeting and stuff, also realized the same thing that we realized that okay maybe only five percent of our students are interested in jazz so they cut your program the jazz commercial studies or mm-hmm. or what it, exactly it was and yeah. then they cut the pretty much they cut the jazz program mm-hmm. like i remember getting talking with um mr shang which i'm not really sure if i can say this or not i don't think it'd get anybody in trouble but um I just remember him saying that like they're cutting the jazz program Mm -hmm. and I was like, wait, really? Yeah. Whether that's an official statement or not, I mean, that's basically what they were doing. Yeah. And I think, I think everybody in the program knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Like, so then you decided to go somewhere that did have a jazz program. Yeah. Jump ship. (laughs) And you went to the birthplace of jazz. Yeah. So how, I mean, we don't have a lot of time, but that was probably a great experience to, to oh, be yeah. there, right? And there's some amazing musicians teaching, right. you know, jazz over there. And who was your teacher over there, your main dr- drum teacher? Uh, I studied with Herman LeBeau, which okay. I'm not sure if a lot of people in the area, I mean, I'm sure people in New Orleans know about him, but mm-hmm. if I say his name here or like in another state, I don't know if he's that widely recognized which he should be because mm-hmm. he's man lessons with him was incredible i had lessons with him for a year and then i had lessons with ricky sebastian which i feel like he's more wider known he's mm-hmm. kind of been more involved but he kind of has this um very interested in world world music so very latin very um we played a lot of sambas his combo that i was in was called like the world 
the world combo or something mm. like world beat or something so it was a lot of like bossa nova a lot of samba a lot of latin mm-hmm. a lot of latin charts and that was really good um but what i loved about her, the way herman taught was it wasn't necessarily that it had a a class structure but you would come in and sit down and he would be kind of already in there on a different drum set kind of playing some stuff and he would just say hey this is some idea i've been working on and then he would share it with you and then he would explain like why he thought it was in, like important or valuable and then some classes he would say hey i noticed you know you might be playing a certain way like let's see if we can con-. it was like more conceptual mm-hmm. and i feel like that's what education of course people need rooted solid subjects to practice but I feel like when you get to that level where, okay, I know I can go home and put on a metronome and work out of a book. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to pay somebody to, like, tell me, hey, practice 15 exercises for next week and, like, make sure that they're as good as you can get. Maybe there should be, like, classes that are optional. Like, (laughs) Like, you still have to do the homework or whatever or show the proof that you can do this stuff. Right. But sitting in a 50 minute class where somebody goes over something that you already understood the class before is just wasting your time, really. I mean, yeah. If it's some theory class and you know what's going on, I I don't know. There there was a lot of classes where it's like, "Okay, well, I understand this after 5 minutes. I can do the homework now or whatever." But you'd have to sit for 50 more minutes mm-hmm. because not everybody understood that. Right. Yeah. Some people needed the further explanation or sure. or more structured things. But anyway, so uh, let's just get the short story real quick. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you had a great experience, I'm guessing, with yeah. with your teachers. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, then what happened? So, like New Orleans, the one thing that I would say I failed at doing, which people don't like talking about their failures, and it's funny because this is what I'm just starting to do now that I'm in Baton Rouge. But the thing that I totally just miserably failed at was um, I didn't put myself out there. There was a city full of opportunity. I lived in it for two years. I was going to school. I knew all these professors. I knew all these colleagues, all these different connections I could have asked to like, hey, can I come sit in? Hey, you know, can I sub for you? Uh, where are you guys playing? When can I come check out your show? And that is... Um, it's really important. It's its extremely important. And I just learned that lesson not long ago, which I've been out of school for almost two years now, and I'm just starting to take those steps into networking. And, and I would say the best thing about the university is that ability to, to create that network. Absolutely. Because you have all these people that are your colleagues that are out there doing things and you have professors and knowing those people, they, they just bring opportunities your way. Yeah. And yeah, it's one of the great things about the university, the music schools. Right. And so, yeah, to not linger on that, but I would just tell anybody listening to this, if you're kind of hesitant to go out to a show because you don't think anything's going to come of it or, you're kind of shy and you don't want to sit in or you don't really want to put yourself out there just take little steps towards that just go to a show maybe go to your friend's show 
mm-hmm. talk to him and then maybe you don't know the bassist and maybe you don't know the trumpet player and then try to talk to them and just kind of get your feet wet with like communicating with people and putting yourself out there and it gets easier as you go and in my case um one of my best friends introduced me to one person and that one person has given me the two shows my debut show and my show that I'm playing tomorrow night so meeting people is vital but <clears throat> so New Orleans was great I graduated like I said I didn't do anything on networking I, I was like oh, I'm here to do school I'm gonna do school and um, I had a lot of things going on I was I was about to get married um, money was an issue and I didn't really want to stay in New Orleans um, so I moved back to to Lake Charles, went back to work in the plants, and I got tired of doing labor work. Uh, I got married, and I kind of wanted to see if I, well, actually, before I got married, um, I didn't want to do the labor work, so since I had a degree, I was like, oh, well, I'll go to this technical college. They're offering an associate's degree in process technology, but since I have a degree, I can do it in four months. They have this fast-track program. So that was every day is five days a week, like 7.30 to 3 um, for four months. Knocked that out. And then I loved the subject matter. It was science. It was, you know, pressure and chemicals Mm -hmm. and temperatures. And, you know, I I loved all that stuff. I was like geeking out over it in a way. But when I got back out of it, I just, just how I failed with uh, networking in New Orleans, I failed I kind of wanted to fail. I didn't really pursue a job. I didn't really apply for jobs. I didn't want to. There was like something in me that just, I just didn't want to do it. And then not long after living in Lake Charles, uh, I ended up moving here to Baton Rouge. So it's it's been an interesting cycle. Like I was in school for music in high school. And then I went to chemistry and then I went to, I followed that for a semester Then I went to music for four years and then I got out of music and then, oh, I'm going to go back to the whole chemistry thing. And then now I'm here doing music. So there's this very humanistic, like we feel this need to have money and things in our life. And I'm not going to deny that that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to pay your bills. You yeah. have to eat. And one thing that I definitely miss is having spare change to invest into yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not downplaying working hard in both realms. Mm-hmm. I think you can have a good job and work really hard um, if you're not there to be a full-time musician yet. And then as soon as you get off work, you can try your best if life permits to invest in your music but sometimes having that income which there are things that I personally want to purchase there's things that I want to have and not for selfish reasons but to further my music to invest in myself like a business mm-hmm. I don't have the capital to pour back into myself and I don't have any investors yeah. so it's up to me like I need a new laptop because mm-hmm. I played a show and during some of my tracks the laptop was like it had a hiccup. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of this track, I'm playing this song and all of a sudden it's like glitching. And then there's moments of silence for like a split second. So it's like, okay, that's a piece of technology I have to have if I'm like continuing this path. Mm-hmm. But at the current point in my life, I don't have the revenue 
to invest into that. So I think everybody's path is different. And I don't think people that only work are better than musicians that only stay at home and work on music. And the inverse, I don't believe is true. Um, I don't think, I mean, if you can stay at home and make money doing music and other tasks and things like that's awesome if it works Mm -hmm. but you know everybody's path is different so don't don't let anybody say like you can't do this to any capacity like oh well if you want to do music then like i've heard people say like you need to quit your day job Mm. it's like well for some people that that's a huge step and that's dangerous some people you can't do that like in my case like I have a wife, mm-hmm. I have, we have a dog, yeah. we have a home, you know, if I just quit my day job just because I want to try to like book more gigs, like I can't do that because I have responsibilities and that's kind of a hard part about growing up. Yeah. But the great thing is that you can make it work. Absolutely. Right? And then if you do, if that's your goal to play music full time and make money, well, you're slowly transitioning to that. Correct. There's no reason why you can't make it work mm-hmm. you know it, it takes time but if you if you if you have more people that rely on you than just yourself you have to do th- certain things right you know and maybe that means getting a job that you don't really like but while you're doing that job you know pursue the thing you really want to do and then keep working on building that and at some point it's going to get so big that you can do that absolutely so don't make any excuses right yeah definitely not don't and if you're if you're timid if you're a little worried well you have to put yourself out there it is hard you know it's hard to to go talk to people and ask them you know it's really it's not that hard but you you psych yourself out to uh to think oh like you said earlier i'm not gonna i'm probably not gonna get anything out of going to this show or doing anything but that's not true you know when you meet people opportunities come up i mean you just have to get involved any way you can whatever that is and it it'll it'll work out for you take little slow steps but uh if you really have to be a musician which at some point the only way you're going to be a musician is if like you just have this burning desire well, you're probably going to end up doing it somehow. And uh, I don't know. Would you give somebody advice if they really feel like they want to do? Well, I was thinking if if, if you really want to do music, should you still try to do other things like, like you try to do the plant processing technology? I mean, that's something you probably had to do right. to to realize what you wanted to do in the end. Yeah, I mean... It's not over yet. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. You may go back to do chemistry one more time. Well, I'm not... I'm actually not going back to do chemistry, but I am, like, for a month or two, I am going to go do some more of that work. Because yeah. Because there's an off... And this is, this is, like, the hard thing about life is... And I'm learning this, and Dad, if you ever listen to this, you're going to be like, oh, I've been telling you this for, like, years. But that's the part of growing up. You kind of have to understand your own truths and your own realizations and that's you have to be guided and listen to advice but at the end of the day it's really what you believe and what you come to grips with is what you're going to accept and you know i mean 
I know my dad's right. Like I know the things he said is right. And what I'm getting at is he was always telling me that, well, you can work in the plants and you can like do music. And I agree with that. And I also disagreed with it and I like kind of ran away from it. But yeah, I mean, for anybody you can, I feel like everybody's path is going to be somewhat different. If you need to take a job to make your ends meet, if there's certain like lifestyle that you're wanting to live or there's, you know, a certain thing you're trying to get and maybe music isn't bringing that in, like, yeah, you may have to go get a job for a while. And there's no shame in that. There's no nothing wrong with um, being a part of the workforce. And I've, I've personally found that having a job is kind of like, man, I wish I was doing music right now. Mm-hmm. Or like, man, I, I I can't wait to get off work so I can go work on this. Or like, oh, like I have this paycheck. Like I can buy that pedal or that piece of gear that I wanted or some new strings or I'm saving up for like a super expensive cymbal that's going to like revolutionize like the sound of my drums. And like those types of goals are good to have because they push you. And I've personally found from my own experience that like as soon as I get free time, like I don't want to use it for music, (laughs) which is it's so weird. It's like, oh, I have two days off. Like I haven't done anything. Yeah, it's that's a weird thing, isn't it? Because you 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 thirst for all this time yeah. to work on your craft when you're at your day job, mm-hmm. and then the weekend hits, or hey, you know, we you, shouldn't tell people this, <laughs> but it's it doesn't. Tr- but it is the truth. You're right. <laughs> they must know. They must know the truth. You know, we are humans, and we are, and we we can't do music all the time. It's not real. I mean, I, I don't know, but anyway. I, you gotta go but let's talk about your show you know that you have coming up okay. real quick so which is uh when is it tomorrow night yeah so I don't so know. hopefully <laughs> we get this podcast up and running in the next uh couple hours or so right if i'm ambitious I, I'll, I'll definitely get it up there on soundcloud um it takes a while to go on itunes but if you're hearing this tomorrow well then which would be saturday yeah March shows 24th. Tonight. March yeah. 24th. The show's tonight at what time? Uh, it, they say it's at 8, but I think that's really the doors, okay. like most venues. Um, it seems the typically shows start around 9.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30. And where is it? Where is it at? It's going to be at 524 Studios, which is off of North Foster. It's It's off of North Foster, and I went there for the first time to hear you the other night. Yeah, thank this you. This place is... Uh, impossible to find if you're looking for a place called 524 Studios. Look for a place with a big uh, jet stream camper in the front, right? Or a boat. It's I a don't boat. know. A boat. It's, okay. I don't know what it is. I think there's honestly. a camper and a boat. It just looks like kind of like a junkyard, but inside it's like a, a magical music venue. It, it's a really cool place, uh, but it's really hard to find. Yeah. Uh, just you keep going down North Foster and then use your GPS. And if you think your GPS is lying to you, it's not. It's really right there it's, at 524 North Foster, yep, right? That's the so, address. Um, Very clever. Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be a fun show, I'm sure, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited because um, this show is specifically like geared towards electronic music. 
it's me um, and two other friends, which they both happen to be named James. Uh, but one of my closest friends, James West, he goes under the name Slow Mile Swift, and he's he's been in the Baton Rouge scene for quite a long time. I'm pretty sure he has grown up here. So uh, he'll be doing like a solo set by himself. Like all three of the acts, we're all going to be like solo performers. So it's going to be like a computer, tracks, Ableton, people triggering stuff, um, mixing beats and stuff live. But I'll do that, but it's going to be with a live drum set. Um, oh, so you're going to play with him too? or No, no. no I'm sorry. Just for my project. Like, okay. Um, James West is under Slow Mile Swift, mm-hmm. and um, other James is under James PM. That's the name he goes under. Um, so all three people are going to be doing s- the same genre yeah, kind of thing. It's but, kind of like a theme night. But everybody's is unique to themselves. And like you're, you play drums with your track, James Slow Mile. He doesn't play drums, does he? No. Okay. What is he? He's just going to be mainly triggering and. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And what about the other James? Same. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. James Murphy and James West. Um, unless anything has changed from the last time I've seen their setup, it's some sort of, you know, MIDI controller mm-hmm. or some sort of launch pad to trigger the samples. They have a few, um, knobs to control different parameters like filter sweeps or beat repeats and certain things like that delay reverb. So what I like about that though, is a lot of, pe- a lot of people look at it and they don't think that it's interesting, but I think it's interesting because they're like editing the track live Mm -hmm. They're They've heard it a certain way. A lot of times there is this track that's set in stone, so to speak. But what I like about this type of music is you can chop it up to where it's almost like an improvised session to where you can sit in the verse longer than usual, or you could sit in the chorus longer than usual. And you can use different transitions with like filter sweeps and all these different um, abilities that, performing with Ableton allows musicians to use it's it's really cool I mean it's kind of like a live DJ set is what I would say it is Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that's not everybody's cup of tea but I find it to be very interesting because it's very atmospheric it it sets a mood and it's it's like a different listening experience yeah and these aren't musicians who just like are like novice musicians just kind of like using a program and no. putting something together. They really know their instrument, which is this MIDI controller and all the, the samples and things they set up and all the effects and all the possibilities they can do with it. So they're thinking just like an instrumentalist. Correct. Uh, while they're up there, you know, it's, it's really interesting, especially if you try to learn a little bit about what's going on. Uh, you know, you can gain an appreciation for it. And I think for anybody who hasn't been to a show like this, you should just try it. Just go, go mm-hmm. see it. It's probably going to be a lot more than you thought it was going to be. It's not going to be a guy just sitting there and music playing and people dancing or something. It's not that at all. There's... um you know, music is being made in the moment. Uh, it's it's really fun to watch this go on. 
it's not uh you might think okay well i can just listen to it on my headphones at home and it'd be the same thing but there's some kind of energy at the show and i mean you'll see something that that you you probably won't hear it again the same way right right it's it's spontaneous mm -hmm. it's improvised and everybody involved is kind of feeding off the environment and the crowd and you will feel some kind of interaction it's not it's not something sterile which i don't know i don't know how many people have uh preconceived notions about this kind of music but uh i don't think a lot of people know much about it and i mean there are plenty yeah. of people that do but no, just general public right check yeah. it out you know yeah it's always kind of disheartening heartening mm -hmm. and discouraging when i hear people talk about going to a show like this and they they think that oh it's just like a guy and he like pushes a button and then like music plays and then like he's just standing there like looking at his phone are there people like that i think sometimes people can do that but i mean these guys like that's not what they're doing. I mean, definitely not these guys at this show. Yeah, and, and probably most people. Yeah, I've seen both of them play, that. and I used to perform a lot with uh, Slow Mile Swift. Mm -hmm. Me and uh, a good friend of mine used to play live drum and bass to his tracks, and yeah, there were like um, a song and a structure, but he might change up how things happen. Mm -hmm. He might change up how things transition or something of that nature. He might put a certain effect on the track that's different so it's not like it's thoughtless like they're not just oh, i'm pressing play for you guys i hope you enjoy it like they're trying to craft something for you out of out of their instrument which is this computer and this machine that you can hit a button multiple buttons and play different sounds different samples um so in a way, it's like an instrument. Like mm -hmm. you play a different drum, you push a different button on a trumpet valve, it makes a different sound. Um, they're so all we're doing is pushing <clears throat> buttons. <laughs> Their buttons make a lot more sound than ours do. <laughs> yeah, they can. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's really exciting and it's really different. And um, I would love to see that culture and that scene um, develop and grow. Well, I think city. it's up to you also to educate people a little bit, yeah. you know, kind of show them what's involved. You know, all of you who are doing this kind of music, you know, you got to show people mm -hmm. what's what's great about this, what's interesting about it. Maybe talk a little bit before your show or yeah. before your songs. I don't know. <laughs> no. But um, but yeah, it's really cool. And anyway, let's wrap it up so you can get out of here. Okay. So just uh, one last time. Your show tonight, I mean tomorrow night, if you're listening to on Saturday, March the 24th, tonight, if you're listening to today, it's tomorrow night. Uh, Saturday the 24th, doors open at 8. Right. I think it's a $7 cover. $7 cover, 524 Studios, yep. which is on 524 North Foster. Yep. So uh, it's going to be fun. Three, three musicians, three great musicians, and... Uh, Hope you guys make it out there. And Luke, hopefully we'll talk some more soon, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man.